spin once again. I'm excited. Just period. Excited. I have a rational reason this time. It's okay. not socks. It takes a lot to get Chase excited about a podcast. <laughs> and Welcome everybody to the greatest day of the whole world since the beginning of the planet. The crust was cooling and there wasn't even a Dairy Queen. What's up everybody? <laughs> wow. What? Goodness. That was impressive. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I look I didn't even plan that. It just happened. I don't so, be, I don't believe you. <laughs> perfect segue right here. It kind of felt like Ben was reading my mail as a quote unquote host right there. Yeah. And that is what we're getting ready to do with each and every one of you. Boom goes the dynamite. We are finally bringing it to the Cody podcast in at least in a full interview or uh informational setting. We're talking about the Enneagram. Personality. Woo! How it connects to fitness. <laughs> I, I absolutely cannot recover from that. Wow. Woo! Woo! <laughs> Ric Flair on the set. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that if we could just spread that to like 2717 Coyote Blue Shark, just people walk in and woo! <laughs> just that just the, means the I, most mellow woo! I am over the top excited about what's happening today. The nines are like, <laughs> yeah, everyone else is going, woo too. Give a little shrug. So, uh, yeah, the Enneagram, man, it's taking the world by storm. It is. So. Really fast, because it was kind of, it was really under the radar. Like, you and one other person on staff were the only people I knew that knew about it. And then about a month later, ish, every every post on Instagram is like, take this quiz and figure out why you're a three and what is what job would you have? What kind of cruise would you take if you were a four? <laughs> All the, all the crap that comes along with it. What kind of cruise? <laughs> yeah, well, so spreading like wildfire, which you know either means it uh, it has no value at all. Those right. things happen, yeah. uh, you know, or it's got a lot of value and applies to so many different things in life. That's the camp we're falling in. We're talking about the enneagram today because we believe it helps people live a better life, but also it kind of cracks the code and how you approach your own journey in your fitness journey. So we're going to get down to that, but we've got to do a little bit of work to introduce the idea because there still are a lot of people have probably seen like, you know, a guy with a coffee mug that has a number three on it. And they're like, what? I don't understand. What's this guy talking also, about? Also, that guy's real lame. Don't be that guy. Yeah, don't be that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Try to figure out. <laughs> Step one, do Step not one. do that. Yeah. Don't purchase a coffee mug with a number on yeah, it, know. You know, which is so funny because on Typology, they're now selling coffee mugs. Oh, which, my God. Yeah, they, they took the leap. They took the leap to merch, which if you're going to do that, you better do it well. And, <laughs> Put um, a black number three on your mug and call it a day. <laughs> yeah. have, That's our brand. Have, have bumper stickers say my dog's a three. <laughs> oh, yeah. there we go. Here we go. <laughs> I can just see the, see the quizzes now. What number is your cat? <laughs> what number is your cat? <laughs> Is your dog struggling with anxiety? <laughs> they may be a six. That's going to be a thing in the next couple of years, like veterinarian Enneagram specialist. Oh, yeah. It's going to be on And they're going to charge channels. you like $300 an hour. It's going to be a TV show on Discovery. <laughs> okay, so all the people that don't know what the Enneagram are are really confused right now. Yeah, right. So Stick with us. Stick yeah, with yeah, us. Are, we'll we try, are we letting Ben do the overview since he's like the guru in the room? Yeah, How do you he's, he's do a it? guru. Well, here's one thing. Starting to dig he's into it a little more. I thought it was like yeah. a new thing, but Enneagram goes back like thousands oh, yeah. of years oh, yeah. and, and I'll tell you what I've, in, in this book I'm reading the Ili- the Odyssey goes through the the Enneagram each stop that he makes he starts at nine each each stop that he makes then people he deals with embody it, the Enneagram type and it starts with nine and goes around the circle and the, all the really? way to one yeah it's nine stop it's crazy it blew my <laughs> mind all the way back to Homer, Homer. boom oh. 
<laughs> We're about to get sued. Wow. That's actually the story of the of the Odyssey. Don't! <laughs> Let me summarize that for you. Uh, yeah, so we just want to take a, just breeze through the types a little bit. And just the, the idea here, though, would be to pique people's curiosity on what type they are. I don't know. Let's just address the, the pushback uh, from really everyone's point of view. People don't like to be given one single thing like i'm not just one person i'm not just right. one type of person no one's gonna argue that you're unique you yeah, are that's don't, right yeah don't no. miss like we're not saying like this is the friend's character you are it's not like that yeah. it's like there's some oh you're definitely ross you're definitely <laughs> it's just a tool to know yourself better and kind of exactly. know how you might what might motivate you how you might respond to different situations yeah. and and it's why tendencies. you are yeah why yeah. you are the way you are and and everybody, the the thing that that sticks out to, my, to me about this is we have we have all these types inside of us. Just one of them is dominant most of the time, but in different situations, each one can present itself. Yeah, a lot of it depends on the stimulus, yeah. you know, and how that works out. You can have a person who's very put together. Let's bring it to fitness, even from the start, a person who's very put together in their professional environment where they feel like they have a, no- a lot of knowledge, a lot of ability. Then you throw them uh, in the middle of Fran and all hell breaks loose. You know, yeah. so different parts of their personality come out and you see that. And we, we see this how we interact with people. So let's get to the types uh, quickly. And then what I'd like to do is for us to discuss that we all know our type we, and we all know varying information about those types and kind of roll that out and discuss uh, quickly in this context how that has helped us in our pursuit of the goals that we want to accomplish. We came out of an episode uh, last time we aired, we were talking about goals, the things we want to accomplish for the year. And like it or not, your bent, your personality bent is going to help you in some ways and hurt you in a lot of ways in accomplishing those goals. So the Enneagram uh, sets itself up in breaking people down into nine basic personality types. I have like a, a real brief like description of it. Of the whole thing? Of just the Enneagram in general. I was going to read. Great. The Enneagram is a personality typing system that teaches there are nine basic personality styles in the world. Each of the nine types has a distinct way of seeing the world and an underlying motivation that powerfully influences how that type thinks, feels, and behaves. The Enneagram is an invaluable tool for people who want to become more effective leaders in the workplace and in life. Yeah, so a little bit of the debate, which we're going to skip some of that today. But people would say, is it nature or is it nurture? Were you born with this or is it a response to something that happened to you early on? A lot of the dominant thinkers today say it's it's probably occurred because you were responding to something uh, that happened when you were very young that you probably don't even remember, but were adjusting to, you know, so they would say your personality is a lot based on your experience and, and that'll make sense later as we go on. Uh, but we'll just start with one and work our way around. I know that's not a popular order, but we'll start with the type one and work our way around. Type one is called the perfectionist. They're each given a name that kind of summarizes how people approach things. The perfectionist uh, is a person, they always have a straight desk. They're really concerned about justice. They want to make sure that everything is absolutely perfect and they will often compromise relationship because they're pursuing perfection. They get themselves a trouble in trouble a lot when they're trying to interact with people because people aren't doing things the exactly correct way, the way that they've pre- predetermined is the right way. You move on to the two. The two is known as the helper. The two is the person who is going to try to meet the needs of every single person that they ever come in contact with. And a big marker for the two is they're going to have trouble saying exactly what they want. If you put a two in a corner and say, you're not coming out of the corner until you tell me exactly what you want, 
not repeating what I want, then they're going to be in the corner for at least three days. That's the two. <laughs> you get to the three, they're the achiever, the performer. It's really important for them to be able to accomplish good things, to be a part. They're often part of larger movements. The unique thing about threes in a healthy place is that they have a huge sense of benevolence. So they kind of participate like a two a little bit, and they they have their own goals, and they're going to drive to achieve those things. The way a three runs himself into the ground is when they build relationships with other people, and they want to take their threeness to those other goals that are other people's goals. The four is the romantic. A lot of people would call the four an artist. A four is uh, what they say about fours is that they don't have feelings. They are their feelings. Mm -hmm. So a four is going to get confused about something in a logical way and then write a poem about it and want to read a poem at a coffee house that (laughs) night. That's a four. Nobody understands me. Nobody understands me. Yeah. So that's the four. And uh, they're basically the group of people that give the gift of art to the world. They help us express our feelings by borrowing the way that they've uh, expressed it themselves. Uh, Then you get to the five. The five approaches life from a scarcity mindset, but they're the investigator. They're very, very curious people. Usually a marker of a five as a child is that they know a lot about a very particular area of life. You'll run across a five as a child and they love dinosaurs and they can not only spell pterodactyl correctly, they know everything about pterodactyls, their bone structure, their habit, if they were kicked out of the nest, what they ate, what they didn't eat. They just really dive deep into topics and have trouble trusting things that are very feelings-based. A five, if a four is their feelings, a five is dominantly unaware that feelings even exist. If you ask a five how they feel, they'll tell you what they think about it. They're just very cognitive. Then you move to a six. A six is called a loyalist because, uh, loyalist because they're very, very committed to the things that they're involved with. But the root base of that is fear, fear of being rejected, fear of not being connected to something. They will stick with something till the bitter end, and that's enough for them. So the loyalist is really important. Relationships are very important for them, uh, but they have a fear-driven perspective on life. A six would admit uh, in a healthy place they're afraid that something bad is just about to happen. Like any second now, something bad is about to happen. You get to the seven, and the best way to describe the seven is their name, the enthusiast. They're usually... Um, I know this is not a word we use often, but they're bubbly in their personality. They wake up every day genuinely believing it's going to be the greatest day that's ever happened on planet Earth or maybe (laughs) even before. They're just always looking for that great thing, but they've got to be chasing that high. They've got to be pursuing this next uh, enthusiastic thing, and they really want other people to participate. They're very concerned that other people are having a good time. Their pitfall is they believe that they're themselves personally they're not worth feeling loved in a, in a strange way. They want everyone else to experience that, but they have difficulty accepting that on their own. Moving to the eight, the eight is known as the challenger. Uh, the eight is usually the, the man or the woman that is just accomplishing big things, taking huge risks. They see an injustice in the world and they wanna make sure that they solve it. They challenge everything. So parents listening to this will probably say, my kid's a challenger. No, uh, kids, <laughs> kids challenge everything just because they're investigating the yeah. world. But as an, as an adult, you'll see a challenger. They're the people that are willing to take those big risks in business, those big risks to try to affect big change in the world, to spread justice. Their pitfall is they're often blind to feedback, and that's a bad combination because if you're taking big risks but you're not aware of feedback, then often you can crash and burn. And eights really have that story a lot in their lives. 
And then you get to the nine, which is at the top of the Enneagram. The nine is known as the peacemaker. Uh, we all love peacemakers because they are able to actually be any number on the Enneagram, depending on who they're with. Their main goal is to keep everything settled, everything peaceful. We don't want anybody to rock the boat. They don't want to make any decisions that rock the boat. So if a nine is sitting with a four and a four reads their poem, then a nine's going to start writing a poem themselves. If a nine is with a three and they've got a goal that they want to achieve, then a nine can achieve that goal as well. So the peacemakers are actually very important. They sit at the top of the Enneagram because they can see all the numbers at once and they can really unify people because they have the main goal of peace. They, they really want to have peace. What's difficult for a peacemaker is that life is not very peaceful. <laughs> so they spend a lot of time trying to manage that desire. So with that brief description, that's kind of generally where, where people fall. If you heard a description there that was, that was short and you said, hey, that kind of sounds like me, most likely that's the number that you need to uh, pursue. I think it's good at this point to tell folks that the best place to go, the best resource we found is exploreyourtype.com. You can take, uh, I would say a brief test, but it does take a few minutes, right? I think it's uh, 12-ish. Yeah, like 12-ish minutes, depending on how much you're wrestling with what you want to answer, (laughs) (laughs) depending on what type you are. Uh, But you can go to exploreyourtype.com, and then that'll give you usually a fairly accurate answer on your personality. I took mine on eclecticenergies.com, too. You would. More complicated. (laughs) I don't even know how to spell eclectic. Explore your type. That's good good for me. All right, so there are a couple different places, and yours was free, right? Yes, very free. Yeah, so mine was free too. Very, very yes, very free. Uh, <laughs> so there, there's some places now that are actually trying to charge for you to take an enneagram test. I wouldn't recommend that. Yeah. You know, go to go to the free locations. All right, so how do we want to start here? Who wants to just uh, reveal their type? Well, and- let, let's talk about like why. What, what's the big deal of, of learning all this type of stuff? Okay, good. Yeah, I'm 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 good with that. What would you say is the answer to that question? Um, I think there's a couple of couple of benefits of it. Number one, you can know yourself better. Um, just by learning my type and uh, what uh, motivates me and drives me and why I do the things that I do, it gave me a lot more self-awareness. And um, the first step to growing is, is know thyself. You know, you got to know your know yourself and know what motivates you and why you do certain things. And that can help you to figure out what you need to work on. And every type has a, a, a self-improvement strategy and becoming more like a different type. And learning about that and just knowing more about yourself that can help you in your fitness um, because you can learn what motivates you and and how you react to certain situations and um, it it can help you just achieve your goals better and then the other big one is that it it helps you develop empathy with other people and the big eye-opener for me when I when I took this and started learning about these different types is that not everybody thinks about me. Think about me. <laughs> Why don't you think I, about I, me? I couldn't believe it. Jeez, what a realization. <laughs> Not everyone thinks like me. And so it, it helps me because I used to get frustrated sometimes with people and because they, they, didn't, they didn't do the things that I thought they should be doing, if that makes sense. Sure. And, and realizing that, that different people are wired differently and different people think differently and they have different goals and they might want different things. And just learning more about that and, and learning like, man, this person thinks completely different than me and there's it's not any better or any worse. It's just different. And so I can have more empathy for them. And so as a coach and as a, as a leader, that helps me have empathy for all our coaches and in all our members and, and realizing like, 
different people need different strategies for talking with them and motivating them and all that type of stuff and just understanding and seeing where they're coming from and why they do certain things. Um, so that would be the two big, big things for me is number one, you can know yourself better. And number two, you can have empathy for other people. Yeah, that, that's spot on, man. I think if you take it into the world of fitness, we spend a lot of time talking with people about barriers and almost to a person, especially at the beginning of their fitness journey, they want to make the barriers physical. But the, bar- the, the dominant barriers, we've talked about this actually for a long time now, the dominant barriers are relational. They're not physical. Your relationship with yourself and your relationship with other people. So if you can get those two things figured out, then you're going to remove a lot of barriers and make it easier to get to your particular goals. So if I have a terrible relationship with myself, then how are my Metcons going to go, especially the ones that are challenging? Like garbage. That's how it works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if I'm having terrible relationships uh, in, in my, my home or my friendships or with people at work, then those people that should be relationships that give me energy to pursue my goals are actually serving the exact opposite. I have trouble at work. I have trouble at home. I have trouble in my friendships. And I'm all up in my mind about that. Or I'm just going with whatever they say. That represents a huge barrier. So, you know, the connection point is actually very close. We just don't think about it as a default. If, if someone this year spent the first six months saying, I'm going to develop a better relationship with myself, guaranteed they're going to have a better fitness journey. If they spent the second six months saying, I'm going to have a better relationship with the other people in my life that are either representing uh, barriers to my goals or they're actually helping my goals, then they're, you know, they're going to finish 2019 in a much better spot than if they just tried to focus on their front rack position and complain about their knee injury from high school soccer. Yeah. It's just a big difference there. You know? It's it's amazing how much better your overhead squat feels when you had a better, a better night at home or you, mm-hmm. uh, you, um, fixed uh, maybe fixed a broken relationship with a friend or something like that it is it, it truly is amazing just how much it, it it loosens you up and makes those and makes the physical things that much better yeah the types of challenges that you guys program for people require a certain level of confidence yes and sometimes you can borrow that from other people on, on particular days sometimes we can borrow it from our coaches belief in us but on the majority of days that confidence has to be internal because if you start with a borrowed confidence about seven or eight minutes into that 20 minute AMRAP, you're going to run out of gas. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you got to be able to renew them. We've talked a lot about that with Hunter, with you asking the question, uh, did I give my best today? Could I have given any more? Well, if if you're trapped in a place where you're lacking confidence because you've got all these relational problems, then the physical stuff ends up taking a back seat. So I completely agree with you. If you want to grow, then you better have some self-awareness. And there's nothing like, I think in a, in a physical context, there's nothing like the challenge of the CrossFit methodology to bring that to the surface. And if you're not prepared to deal with it, it will wreck you. Yeah. <laughs> so... All right, so I'm I'm interested for everyone to be able to hear kind of what what your types are and to be able to connect that to our to our fitness journey, so that the people listening can can be encouraged to pursue their type based on their fitness goals for the year. Yeah, yeah. Who wants to go first? Well, last time you went first, you just shamed everybody with your hundred book list. I'll, I'll go first. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's, let's let's bring in the common man's perspective here. Um. Yeah, so I am a uh, I'm a type two with a uh, with a three wing. So I'm a I'm a helper and a uh, performer slash uh, slash achiever. So I'm uh, I'm driven by by relationships. Basically, I want to um, 
I want all the relationships in my life to to thrive and um, as a uh, as a consequence of that it um, I tend to put put less focus on myself so like you were talking about uh, earlier it's really hard for me to admit what I want I can't even tell you like I, I feel bad te- like if, if my wife or my mom asked me what I want for my birthday I feel guilty actually asking for something yeah or you start thinking what what do they want to buy and then I'll say that so they'll have some excitement about buying that sort of gift and yeah you just run that huge yeah, lap yeah. E- exactly I am a I'm very much a I'm okay if you're okay kind of person right and um and like I you know when oh, when I was like when I was in college I I went to uh, I I didn't I didn't leave Jackson and so like I had a lot of uh had a lot of high school friends that were still around Jackson, and one of uh, I would always invite my high school friends to come hang out with my college friends, and it always made me really happy to see them that those two those two worlds intertwine and hang out, and um, I mean that was the you know uh, the best situation possible as far as uh, as far as I was concerned was. Um, all the relationships in my life being aligned and um, and enjoying each other's company. Yeah, enjoying themselves. So yeah. uh, when you say three wing, I guess we need to explain that a little bit. Hunter, could you give us some kind of clarity on you have a, a number for your Enneagram type, your personality type, but there are these things that are involved called wings, you know, these other dominant things. Yeah, I think, I think the main type is how you act most of the time in most situations. And I think you also have a, a trait that you also – um, embody some, but it's not your dominant trait. So you, you can still relate to things and situations with that trait and embody some of those characteristics, but that's not going to be your, your dominant, um, mode operatus, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. So with, uh, what it makes me think about, like with my, uh, with my three wing is like, you know, I've always been competitive and I've always wanted to, you know, participate, you know, in, situations where there is a where there's a pecking order where there is you know a quote-unquote winner and a quote-unquote loser or whatever but i've never been drawn to i guess like since it's my wing it's not my dominant deal i've never been drawn to like individual sports i've always been more attracted to purely just pure team sports where you know you take anybody out of the equation and it wrecks the whole process and um kind of a uh um I, I don't know, um, and and I it made me start start thinking about this. Like when I was uh, when I was in high school, if I were to, like let's say, like if I were to score a touchdown or something like that, it would make me like almost really uncomfortable to like anticipating like the celebration and stuff like that. I'd want to kind of just do it, hand the ball back to the referee and pretend like it never happened. <laughs> I'm, so, um, I'm sorry I scored guys. I'm so- <laughs> well, well, yeah, like I guess uh, I would have read, like I almost got more gratification being the guy that threw the block that scored the touchdown rather than scoring the touchdown. Does that make sense? Yeah, Absolutely. The man. helper. You that's a great way to describe that. Yeah. yeah. So that's just built in. And that's, and that's really cool because once you start learning yourself, you could start tracing back things that yeah. happen in your life and the way you act in such a certain situation, but like, Oh, that makes complete sense. Now that's why I was, that's why I do this or I did that. So yeah, yeah a really healthy thing you're pointing out there in your description, Chris, is that the assumption would be if you scored, you're supposed to be happy about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if that's the assumption and that doesn't happen, then what the next step in that thought process, 
that Chris has is, man, something's wrong with me. I need to change that. Yeah. And then we get these really just ludicrous ways of approaching life because we're adopting something that we really aren't. You know, you're the guy that throws the block. So how can I ask you a direct question? Yeah. So thinking about your participation in CrossFit, uh, how does that make sense to you now with what you like about what your current adult life is? Yeah, I think my personality has definitely driven me into this uh, this world that I am right now with CrossFit and coaching CrossFit because I, uh, like I said, I'm very much, very much attracted to the competitive aspect of it, but also my main drive is to is to help others achieve their goal, even if it means taking uh, taking away from um, uh, from maybe my uh, my personal goals. Yeah, I feel, and I feel like if someone came in like or it was like after class, like, hey, I'm really struggling with these double unders, and you had a workout scheduled after yeah. work, you're about to nix that workout and work with absolutely. Whoever. Like I would be in just incredibly uncomfortable telling them no. telling them give me give me 30 minutes or come back tomorrow or mm-hmm. something like that yeah that would i would think about it the rest of the day <laughs> <laughs> right a little a little trick to that though is that twos do have their own needs it's just hard for them to admit them or acknowledge them publicly so that that situation that you're rolling yeah. out could lead to some frustration like right as you get in the driveway you're like god i was supposed to do that and i wanted to do that Especially if you're sitting in the three seat where you want to achieve something, yeah. You know? And and I think I, and I think I've read before too that uh, that twos um, can get so wrapped up in everybody else's needs that they do lose their own identity. Identity, and yeah. I and uh, that is something that I know for sure that I struggle with. Yeah, and that's that's kind of why, uh, based on some other discussions we have, that's why the two and the nine get a little bit blurry. Yeah, because the nine's actually making an active decision to lose their own identity, to adopt another person's identity to keep the peace. So those two things kind of feel a little bit the same. But, you know, at, at some point you have to make a decision. Which camp do I sit more in? You know, so um, I feel like I was trying to think through scenarios as well about what that would mean as a, as a, as a CrossFit coach. I'd be curious to know from your point of view, let's say that you were going in and trying to get squat snatch one rep max and – the worst kind of not getting a PR, you just fall three pounds short, right? Yeah. And that happens at 10 a.m. Then you coach the afternoon, you got the 3.30 classes on inside of our particular box, and you see like two or three success stories walk in the door, they accomplish it, they actually get a PR in their squat snatch. Is Chris Allen going home happy or sad about the day? I'm, uh, I, I, I'm, def- I'm definitely happy, right. you know, for sure, but the – I still have that uh, the the competitive side of me that wanted that wanted that PR for myself, but you know, absolutely seeing uh, seeing other people, you know, uh, achieve something that that I had a little maybe a little bit of a hand in gives me a lot of gratification. So your disappointment comes more from like you yourself didn't get it, not because someone else that you know yes. got what oh, you Oh, yeah. Wanted. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be floored for the person that did it, and it makes me once, you know, and in, and absolutely in the moment, I'm going to be so pumped up, and I'm going to congratulate that uh, that person, 
and then one and then like once I'm out of the situation and then I can start reflecting on, I start reflecting on myself a little bit then I'll start thinking like man why didn't I hit that PR today you know that would have been awesome but it definitely it doesn't ruin my day mm-hmm. for sure by contrast my personality would say <laughs> to their face good for you <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what I would say uh, so getting a little more into this into this type too I'm curious to he- to help other people think in this line after they've listened to this episode. What do you think, now that you know a little more of your personality, how do you think that represents some obstacles for you in pursuing fitness? I think um, one is uh, setting setting boundaries, you know, because if if I give and give and give, you know, at some point, at some point I am going to lose, uh, lose my sense of self, and if I'm not, if I'm not aligned with that, eventually I'm not going to be any good to anybody. And um, I think uh, I think also it's just you know having to constantly keep myself in check because I am I am I want to achieve and I want to do big things. I have to really I have to closely examine my motives. You know when I'm helping other people, like do I want them to achieve because you know it helps them or because it makes it makes me look good. Wow, that's deep. So man. that that uh, that's a that is a that's something that um that really jumps out at me that I like I really started thinking about is like man you know I really want to you know I want to have the um uh the noble motive there and really keep uh keep myself in check and continue to pray for things like like humility and and you know empathy and keep it coming from a pure place. Yeah, especially when someone asks you what's abandoned your morning. Yes, <laughs> that's definitely one of your triggers, right? Well, we did those this morning, and I didn't have not to explain it one time. Oh, congratulations, man! Yeah, <laughs> only so took only took four years. You achieved something <laughs> in four years. Well, yeah. learning learning Chris's uh, type has really helped me out in uh, managing and coaching him in a couple of different aspects. One, I've learned that why he does so well working with people like on on ramps and one on one type setting because that's his personality type that he's very. Um, interpersonal and he does very well working with people one-on-one but he's also really good in the group setting too he's he he gives of himself so much with people that he can empathize with people and help with help them in a setting so finding more ways where he comes in contact with people in those type of settings um is going to help him be the best version of himself and then also if if I need to get on to him or criticize him about something to do it privately and not publicly learning that if we need to talk about something and we need to do it in private and not tell say something to him in front of somebody else because that will cause him to completely shut down and so mm-hmm. learning that is, has helped me learn how to lead him better um, as a coach yeah those things aren't we're going to get to this as we're discussing this today but often we interpret those things as a sign of weakness. Like, well, I should be able to be corrected in front of a large group of people. Well, no, you shouldn't because it goes completely contrary to how you would treat someone. Mm -hmm. So it feels like you're being disrespected in that. It's not weakness. It feels like disrespect. But on-ramp is a great example uh, because when people are coming through on-ramp, you have very typical reactions and behaviors that people are probably going to lack mobility. It's going to be tougher than they thought it was going to be. There's going to be a lot of griping at the beginning and, you know, people are not going to have a lot of coordination. And I think if I were running consistent on ramps, I would, it would just be like, here we go again, another person again, you know, but I feel like when I watch Chris do that, there's a very inquisitive nature about how to help that person 
go through the on-ramp based on what they need, you know. So I'm sure you're going to bring this up later, Hunter, but being a guy who's running a business and looking at people who are pursuing a common goal of making the business successful, you got to know how they're put together or yeah. you can't leverage their gifts to make it happen. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If you want to – if you're if, if you're in a position of leading people, knowing what type they are can make such a difference because all of a sudden it, it becomes so clear like, oh, wow, that's why – they get upset when this happens or that's why they thrive in this environment. And, and if you know your people, then um, you can lead them better. And we've had all of our coaches take the Enneagram. And so we know, you know, what, what type each one of them is and how to, how to better interact with them because of that. Yeah. I've noticed uh, my son is a two and I've noticed if he does something to pull himself into like a discipline thing, which happens with kids, obviously all, all kids, the first thing he starts to do is check the room who's 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 listening to this who's watching this and he's having to make assessments on how what how they're responding so with my youngest son if i'm going to correct him or try to teach him something i do we have to like go outside to the garage or we have to have a conversation in the backyard Mm -hmm. because then he can lock in with me and he's not having to worry about all these these Mm. other worry may be a bad word but he's not consumed with thinking about all these other things I can just have his attention, yeah. you know, and I also know if my youngest son expresses a desire that's different than what he knows I desire, it took him probably two or three days worth of courage to bring that up. Mm-hmm. So I can't be dismissive. I better put the phone down or I better stop the conversation I'm having because he'll do it at a time where he's just finally worked up the courage and it may be the exact wrong time to do it, but I can't shut that down. Yeah. You know? So. Uh, interesting when you when you're able to understand others we get back to the beginning of the episode it allows you to operate with them in a very graceful way to open up the ability for them to be who they are which is which every personality type is a gift if we only had one it'd be a boring world right yeah um all right i'm chase let's talk about yours let's go to you next uh i am a three wing four which let me pull up the description because i'll get it wrong um somewhere oh right here yeah, so three wing four is <laughs> the the very first description of a three wing four is more icy and detached. <laughs> uh, so a lot. And you're of, okay with that at this point? Yeah, like I know, like I'm an extrovert through and through, but I know come Friday or Saturday, I need a little bit of time of like I you gotta get out of my face. Like I'm happy to talk most of the time, but right now I just need to recover. Just, just give me an hour, and then I'll get back to yeah. being normal Chase. But yeah, I've, it, it makes so much sense. A lot of the validation of the Instagram has come through not seeing other people around me how they are, but like getting a lot of like this is this is who I am for sure. Like I, I'm a full on performer through and through. Uh, I'm getting better about so a lot of the health aspects of like being a three is like not needing the validation of other people so much, which is something I struggled with being self-conscious. If I'm 24 now, 23 years of my life, it's been just like this major factor and like, I, I couldn't walk into a room without immediately looking at who was in it and thinking like, okay, what do they think of me right now? I don't really care about them, so that's okay. But this other cool person, <laughs> what do they think of me that's right now? That's the icy part. Yeah. You don't matter. Boom, roasted. You matter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. So it's, um, it's, it's a curse a lot of the time uh, just because you, you get in your own head a lot uh, and it's like there's no there's no better way to l- limit your confidence than having it be fed through what other people think of you so like the growth aspect of what I'm looking for is just like 
like being okay with who I am, at least where I'm at right now, knowing if I'm moving forward. If I'm moving backwards, then I'm a wreck. But if I feel like I'm actually growing, there's a lot of self-confidence now, more than there used to be when I was, you know, a teenager and I didn't know any better. Got it. So the three, the performer, the achiever, success is important. Mm -hmm. Image to a certain degree is important. So uh, the question related to fitness of this, I'm really, really eager to hear this. Oh, cool. Uh, And I mean that in a a non-sarcastic, I should have given a commercial there. You're good. I'm taking a break and not being sarcastic. Um, so for a three, pursuing fitness, fitness involves a lot of challenge and a lot of failure. Yeah. How, how do you as a type three deal with those moments? So like by this point in the podcast, we all know that I might have taken a step back from just, CrossFit. Just a minor one. We'll call it breathing room. Exactly. That's what you're after. But like, You just needed an hour. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we call a callback. That was yeah, a good one. Perfect. <laughs> um, Perfectly executed. Yeah. Um, I knew I knew going into CrossFit when you first convinced me that like this is something you gotta do. Um, I knew the com- the competition aspect of it was gonna be a major factor in whether I stuck with it or didn't. And I like and I, 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 I knew going into because I knew like where you were, like you have gone, you've gained like 40 pounds of pure muscle since I've known you. At so, least. Exactly. So I, I know, I knew the level of standard, and you're not even like the peak fitness level of like what's going okay, on. No, no, no. You could have stopped before. You could have stopped before. Next point. Hit that space bar. Back, the, back this thing up. But like, I just, I, I knew that I was going to be not the lowest of the low, but like, I knew I wasn't going to be the best at this immediately. But. I'm four months into it. I'm still like not anywhere near like even people who've just been doing the class for a year. Like it's just not, it's not, it didn't feed into the, the validation that I needed as a three immediately. And as a three, at least in how I perceive it, that's really hard. That's a tough pill to swallow. So like a, a lot of me leaving CrossFit was a lot of lack, lack of maturity and what, like what I knew about myself. Like I, I set myself up for failure immediately the second I got done with on-ramp. And even on-ramp, I was like, this sucks. I hate, <laughs> I hate my life. So, yeah. like, yeah, I, did, I didn't initially deal with the failures and, and successes of CrossFit very well. But it's because I, did, I didn't understand myself, at least how, how I operate. I didn't understand it well enough. So I think, given the past episode that we just talked about, which... <laughs> Hopefully by the time this one releases, I've come back to CrossFit. At least one. At least one. one, Just one. But I I think I have a better mindset now of like how to put the blinders on in a healthy way of like, I don't care what Steven's doing over there. I don't care that Tim can squat 530 over there. It doesn't matter. Like I'm Chase. I'm the skinny 150 pound kid who's going to be good at what he's good at. And I just need to, I want want to be setting PRs for myself, not like, I'm never, I'm never going to compare to Ben's mm. rowing. Ben's nuts at rowing at this point. Bro, I wish I could put I, I wish I could put blinders on like 90% of the people right in the gym. Mm. You know, where you, you are you are strictly working out in the group just for the camaraderie. Yeah. Yeah. The their and not but but not compare, not look to their performance where your performance stacks up for validation. Once the workout starts, everybody just goes to their room, the isolation box, does the workout, and comes mm-hmm. back out and breaks it down. Yeah. So, one thing you're pointing out about the three, though, is that 
because of their sensitivity to achievement and success, they have a really quick um, level of feedback towards their environment, if that's happening or not happening, or if there's potential for that to happen or not happen. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it isn't just about how I feel about it in the moment, but as I play out the future and as this stacks up, am I ever going to be that person or that person or that person? If, and if you get to a quick no, then it's very hard to kind of motivate yourself. Exactly. You know? like, yeah, I think the root of what I need to establish in CrossFit now is like, I need I, I personally need to abandon the goal of being the best at Coyote CrossFit. Like, I'm at, at this point now, I'm very much okay with it because I've I've tried to grow more in humility and like lack of validation of that. Like, I'm trying to. I think I think that term just like the best, the best. exactly. At Coyote CrossFit. I mean, I. I I would not give that title to anybody at our gym. Exactly. It doesn't, yeah. it, it's luckily, it doesn't Jeez, make someone sense. Someone to turn that plaque back in. <laughs> Indian giver. It's like a Christmas gift. Call I up got... the trophy shop. Can't my order. <laughs> Send back that coffee mug. It's the best crossfitter. Yeah, the coffee mug and everything. It had a number one on it. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but here's where we find that, um, you know, your, your personality type, and it's not like there are just a few threes in the world. There are, there are a lot of threes. In fact, uh, people have been known to say America is the, the land of the brave and the home of the three. I mean, that's how we're mm. brought up is yeah. achieve work, bootstrap, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, so there's a lot of us out there and here's where we find that the methodology inside of, uh, Coyote fitness, the methodology helps people who are threes actually, redefine success right redefine achievement and yes. if you can start doing that with within fitness which is a very safe place to try that out and you start applying that to the rest of your life huge huge benefits uh for your journey i mean i, I think that's a really 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 big deal so if you're going to environment into an environment where you feel like your performance may be poor whatever that environment you know like you pick up a camera DSLR and you're like man my wife's better at me than this that's a difficult situation for a man to be in what are some things that you use if we have type threes listening that you would use to say all right it may this may be a difficult thing at the gym today what's what's some self-talk that I can do to help me out with that I just don't go for eight months (laughs) (laughs) so avoidance is your main strategy no I um I think now at this point especially with the way the programming works in Coyote like or the, the new programming, being comfortable saying like, I'm gonna do that just pure fitness level track of, and I'm just gonna, it's all mental, which is the hardest part about it. But luckily Cody is meeting at least threes in my own experience halfway saying like, you don't have to, don't even look at the whiteboard. As long as your name makes it up there and you have a time or a rep count or anything like that beside it, it's success of the day. And I would challenge you to change your mindset when you're going into days that are including things that you're not good at. Like I suck at rowing just because I'm five foot nothing, right? It's hard to, it's, it's hard to, uh, Chris probably knows as well. He's just got a different. Oh man, yeah. You, uh, you, can, you can row your little heart out as much as you want to. We're never going to be as good a rower as Hunter. Exactly. Yeah. So I, it's I, all about the reach. If we're going into like strictly strategy stuff, I'm like, I need, I want to learn better of like how to, conserve my energy where I need to when it comes to rowing, like maybe not going as all out as when I'm about to run these, you know, 400 meter laps or something like that. It's just like applying your skill sets 
to maximize what you're doing in there. Because, like, I'm, I'm a good runner. I know that. I've always been good at running, but so I'm going to maximize what I'm doing that day. And if there's something on that set list that or that workout list that is zero things that I, I'm good at, then I'm going to go in and say, like, well, at some point I got to be better at it. So, and it's not going to happen by me not showing up. So I need to get in there. Yeah. So you use that achievement mindset as a motivator. Right. You know, I'll be a little more, um, I'll, I'll be a little better at this particular thing. I'll never be great, but after today, I'm going to be better. You right. Know? Would you say that matches, uh, Chris, is from your coaching perspective, how you would try to talk to a three or motivate a three, success driven? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think the, the CrossFit gym, it pulls everybody's threes out. <laughs> you uh-huh, know? That's a very good point. And, um, yeah, it's a, it's all about, you know, we, we try to be very upfront with people when they, uh, when they start, like you're going to have some things in the beginning that you just thrive at and you're going to come in and you smash a workout. And then you're going to have some days that, uh, that you come in and, um, and it takes everything that you've got in, uh, in your willpower just to finish. And that's what, uh, that's supposed to be what we, you have to channel that into be the driving force behind your, behind your consistency and not the detriment to your consistency is taking it, taking it as a, uh, as a challenge and recognizing that it's the same deal for everybody else, uh, for everybody else in the room, that everybody has things that they're, that they're going to struggle with from a, from a movement standpoint, but that doesn't give you the, um, uh, the justification to just avoid it. Yeah. I don't know what song it is, and I, I probably, I, I don't know it because I don't listen to it outside of the gym, uh, but it always plays at the perfect time inside of Cody. It, it just repeats, get out of your mind, get out of your mind, get out of your mind, yeah. because, and especially threes. They, oh, yeah. Yeah. They, <laughs> little John? Yeah, right. Yeah, little John. So whenever Meredith's the, coach. The, the philosopher. One of those <laughs> one of those lils, you know, little little John. Lils. Yeah, but, I mean, a three is going to be in their mind in the in the drive over. You know yeah. about, about where things are going to go. We all have a little bit of that. So if I remember right, Hunter, you're you're a three as well, correct? Yeah, I was going to say for threes in general, I think change the performance target from being the best on the board to giving your best effort, because um, threes need need targets and a way to measure their success. And I think a very unhealthy way to do it is to compare yourself to others, and a very healthy way to do it is to compare yourself to who you were yesterday. And um, if you can change that, I think you're setting yourself up for success. And I think probably threes more than anybody else will really try to compare themselves to other people. You know, what's interesting is I'm reading about threes or have read about threes that uh, they're excellent at multitasking and trying to push your advice for life through that filter. Like, hey, man, if you're watching TV and the yeah. commercials, you need to be rolling, rolling out. <laughs> you need to have that lacrosse ball under your foot and you need to be reading, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> some sort of book or two books. I have a book in each hand, <laughs> lacrosse ball under each foot. Listening and, to a book, reading a book, <laughs> watching the show, foam rolling. Mute the football game, but still have it on. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I guess we can go into mine. I'm, I'm a three-wing four, too, as well as Chase. Um, I, I have learned a lot about myself from – from digging into this and um you know the threes are threes want to win they're wired wired for performance they're very image concept conscious success oriented wired for productivity motivated by a need or appear to be successful and to avoid failure and that's def- if anybody knows me or if you've listened to this podcast in depth you probably recognize that that's that's who i am to the core um what i've learned as 
an unhealthy version of myself in the past has been all about appearances and trying to uh, appear to be successful to other people and make sure that I look good no matter where I go, um, that I'm that I'm put together, um, dress well, uh, I look like I'm exuding success, I'm worried about how other people are perceiving. That's an unhealthy version of myself. I think of a more healthy version of myself is um, being um, being content with who I am and not focus in pursuing success for my own self and not for other people and not for how it looks to other people. Um, I think as always wanting to try to do things and get things accomplished, a big pitfall, downfall of threes is that they want to, they can cut corners just to try to get things done and check them off the list. And I see that in, in my, in my history is I want to do so many things that I just get, get something done so I can, uh, check it off the list and move on to the next thing where as I'm learning as a leader and as a business owner I need to f- focus on the details and make sure they're done right and make sure the details are done correctly and um, in my personal life make sure things are are focus on those details and not just do things just to get things done um, and another another downfall of threes is that they view other people as um, uh, means to an end as opposed to developing relationships and and and, and and especially when I was younger, I, I viewed all my relationships through the lens of well, what can I get out of this? Um, and I don't think I consciously did that, but subconsciously that's kind of how I was wired and, and learning like I need to be, have a relationship just for the sake of having a relationship. Mm. And, uh, one of the prescriptions I, I saw on an Instagram account was threes need to, uh, set a, uh, a coffee date with somebody just to talk and not have an agenda and that's like why would i do that like i'm wasting (laughs) an hour i'm wasting an hour i could be doing something else but like um learning that i need to focus more on relationships just for the sake of developing a relationship and getting to know somebody as opposed to going to meet them so i can they can help me with this or i can learn something from them you know not having an agenda all the time um but what's interesting is the wing four is where i've really started to learn a lot about myself in that I have I can get very melancholy um, at times and very um, think about the past a lot and and, and pine away at the way things used to be and and pine uh, think about uh, how life was when I was younger and and think about those times in the good old days or whatever and I'm learning that that's just a trade of a three wing four they they have a tendency of that and 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 seeing that that's that's just part of who I am and that's part of it but not saying things were better back then, but just saying, I remember that, but things are great now and they'll continue to get better as we go forward. And then also realizing that I have a lot more emotional depth than I, than I thought. And somewhere along the way, I, um, I, I, I wanted to quit feeling these emotions or show these emotions cause I didn't want other people to see the, these emotions. I wanted it always to look like I was put together. Um, so I didn't want to show people that I was angry or that I was sad or that I was excited. And so I became very even keel, but I felt all these emotions. I just stuffed them way down deep. And so as I get healthier, it's learning how to access those emotions more and be able to understand why I'm feeling what I'm feeling. Um, and I think also as I've grown um, the four wing, I've, I've learned that I really enjoy um, creating and I think that's part of a three, two, but creating like I love to um, the idea of creating something that hasn't ever existed before 
excites me tremendously. That's that's one of the things I love about Coyote is that uh, it's something that we've taken from nothing and developed into such a cool experience and place for people to be um, and, and and thinking of what is possible in the future and we can create things that have never existed before and that's why I've really started to enjoy writing because it's creating things that um, out of nothing basically um, and so learning that that's part of my uh, personality as a whole um, and just you know in general learning to not just run over people and try to get things done all the time and yeah I have goals and I continue to want to improve my goals um, and, and, and do achieve more and do more and that's what motivates me and I love doing those things and checking things off the list but taking a step back and say hey I need to make time to develop relationships and just get to know people for who they are um, and learn about them with no agenda at all yeah. I think um, I think that is something that has made uh that's made me and Hunter a really good a really good team and that we have worked so well together over the years is that I've always I've always felt like me and Hunter are rowing the same boat just on di- from uh from different sides and different angles and like I've kind of felt like we've always had like a uh, like a, a two sides of the same coin mm. kind of deal I mean I think uh, and um seeing Hunter's uh seeing Hunter's growth over the last year has re- has motivated me to you know to uh, try to um, tap more into my tap more into my my three and um, you know when I and I talked we talked I talked about in the last episode about trying to harness that uh, the energy that that I had um, into developing myself a little more you know tapping into what's uncomfortable for me and that's uh it, you know putting a little more focus on me to develop yeah. myself and realizing that that will only help help me help others more. Yeah. I feel like I rambled. It didn't make any sense. No, that's a great, I think it's a great word picture. If, if you only have one oar in the water and, and that person's paddling as hard as they can, you're just going to go in a circle. It'll be a really fast circle or a really big circle. Uh, but you got to have some balance. That's kind of what I was thinking too. Listen to the two of you guys describe your personality types, which two interesting things to point out. We started to describe the types, and and Hunter said, "No, no, let's back up and say how this is going to help us. Let's yeah. talk, how's it going to help <laughs> yeah. us achieve anything? Yeah. You know." And then as he's rolling out the list, he's saying, "This is what it's helped me do. This is what it's helped me do. That's just how, how a three is going to talk about it." But when you have a two and a three driving a business strategy and the implementation of that business strategy, then everybody that is a part of it receives the benefits. But the interesting part about it is that it's gonna bring you guys into conflict over particular things. You're gonna have days where one of you saying, hey, we really need to focus on the relationships that are going on here, and then you're gonna have other days where the other guy's gonna say, well, we gotta get you know what done we got to get it done yeah. yeah well i'm not worried about getting it done right now because this person needs me well they're going to need you tomorrow too you know so yeah. you guys being willing to over the years operate within yeah. that tension has been clutch for everybody yeah. that comes through coyote fitness and then um and then bringing uh bringing caleb into the picture it was so interesting because caleb was a one i'm a two hunters a three and um caleb uh, has really has been awesome in that he's the one that can kind of can look at the whole situation from what it is and we can and he can really point out you know these are all great ideas but logistically here are some flaws yeah yeah so we're making the point here that in our context 
you need more than just one personality looking oh, at yeah. something. Oh yeah, you know, but that's that's life in general. You know, the people listening right now are are maybe becoming more aware of their personality. Mm-hmm. It doesn't distance themselves from other people. Yeah, it and, brings them closer in. And know? going going into you know one of our core values being humble. You know, being willing to you know open up and be receptive to those other to those other perspectives. Yeah, I, I've learned something about dealing with Caleb and and one characteristic about three is that they want when you're talking to them they want you to just get to the point they want you to say what say what you mean and get to the point and a one likes to like just be very long-winded and beat around the bush and i i have a tendency to like just cut them off after like 30 seconds like what are you trying to say say? (laughs) spit it out man and and so he's he's learned like that when he's talking to me like that i just want i want the detail give me get to the point tell me what's going on and and let's move forward and I've learned to have a little bit more patience and, and let him, you know, get to what he's trying to say. And so that that's just one minor example of of learning about what other people and, and their tendencies and that can help you uh, deal with them better. But I was laughing when you asked Chris that question earlier about the PR and me at a very unhealthy level. If I didn't hit a PR and everybody else did, I would go home furious. Like, what am I not doing? I've worked way harder than them. How come they're getting making progress and I'm not? And instead of being happy for them, I'm I'm mad at myself. And I've learned um, as I've grown over the years to to take more happiness in other people's success and put my success on the back burner. And that's just kind of part of my maturity and growth as a as a person and as a coach. Yeah, I mean, growth is what what we're out for. We're using the, the modality of fitness to produce growth in our life. But we, the, the thing that we point out consistently on this podcast is if you're pursuing it in one area, it's going to affect all other areas. It's interesting the way you're talking about Caleb and that ones over their life have had to kind of develop that strategy because people see them as judgmental. Like, why are you? Why does everything have to be perfect? You know, and they're mm-hmm. and they're also as perfectionists trying to make sure that they're expressing whatever they're feeling in exactly the right way. Yeah. So they'll circle around a long time. They're really like trying different things verbally until they get to a place like there it is. That's the perfect way to say this. You know. Yeah. So if somebody cuts them off too quick, then you're just like that's literally like putting a, a wrench in the spokes. And yeah. They're gonna fly over the handlebars and they're gonna be pretty pissed about it. Yeah. You know. So you just kind of sit there and uh, maybe check your email or something. And, and they the get three's to like, it doesn't have to be perfect. Just get it done. Just get so it we done. Like, yeah, we got, thing, got, uh, got things to do. So then. I think that the one and the three do work well together because the perfectionist can come in and say, hold up, no, don't move on. This isn't where it needs to be. We can't check this off the list until we get it right. And the three is like, hey, all right, it's good enough. Let's move on to the next thing. Yeah. And so they, they work well together as well. So it's kind of an interesting dynamic of – of the twos and the threes work welded together, and then the the threes and the one work well together, and then the one and the two work well together. So I think that's why we work well together as a, as a whole. Yeah, I followed you there, but I was it was tough to keep up. There's a lot of numbers and people working <laughs> together. <laughs> then right. the one and the three get in conflict, and the two gets really uncomfortable and has to exit the room and go to the bathroom. <laughs> now it's time for what we've all been waiting for. Ben, explain to everybody why you're so daggum complex. Why? What number are you? Six. Wow. I'm a six. Yes, I'm the loyalist. So um, the six is known as the most complex number on the Enneagram because it's the only number that has uh, two types. There are two different ways to be a type six. And uh, I-, I mentioned this because it's really, to me, the most fascinating part. There's a phobic six and a counterphobic six. So loyalists, we've already given a brief description, but this is the big distinguisher. A phobic six, sixes are driven by fear. 
you know, so I'll give this in a very CrossFit example. If there's a workout that has handstand push-ups in it, I've got limitations with my shoulders and my neck, like some true limitations. So for years, I just avoided even getting in the handstand position because I did it once and I ended up having to sit out for a week. It only cost me a week, but it sealed itself, that experience in fear. Every time I flip up on the wall, something bad is going to happen. So it took me months to overcome that, uh, to overcome that fear. So fear drives everything. A phobic six is going to feel fear over something and distance himself from it. A true phobic six would just completely quit CrossFit after that experience. Uh, but my loyalist kicked in and I started appreciating really, really beautiful friendships with the men that were there. And that kept me at it. You know, I'm, I'm going to stay in here. I'm going to be, I'm going to be able to wear. In fact, I had so much pride in the beginning when I got that first Coyote, uh, that Navy Coyote shirt, man, I wore it at least twice a week, especially if I was going to be in public because I was like, man, I'm a part of something, you know? So being a loyalist, that was a big deal. Um, I'm not a phobic six. I don't move away from things. I'm a counterphobic six. When I get afraid uh, over something or a situation, I move in and my main goal is to try to control it. And this is where I get in a lot of conflict with my fitness journey because I'll take you to an example this week. We had Fran this week at the beginning of the week and Fran, I could not hate anything more in life than Fran. I, I don't know why because I've done a billion other workouts that are more difficult. You, you hate the idea of Fran. It's, I, it's yeah. the pressure. It's the yeah. pressure. You feel the pressure to make get a PR. Yeah, yes. Yeah, then maybe that's it. So it's just something about it just completely repulses me. You know, I can't stand it. Um, my approach to that though, I checked the programming, which I've started doing again. And I think it's a bad idea. <laughs> I just need to go in and whatever the board, so whatever the computer says, is what I do, but I checked it and I knew, and man, it was about eight 30 where I checked and I was just started spinning. I'm, I'm afraid about this. I, I don't know that I want to do this. And I, I got really complex about it. Well, my approach was, I even checked in with one of my mentors about it. My approach was I showed up and you'll, this will make sense to you now, Chris, while my when I did that that day, I was leaving work and I was going to stop by the house to uh, get a protein shake and to change clothes and then go to the gym. And I said, I can't do it. If I go to the house, then I'm going to, st I'm going to stay at the house. Mm -hmm. And it was two o'clock. There's no scheduled class time. Like if I'm, if I'm going to attack this, I've got to do it right now. So I, I drove in and people were over in one section of the gym. I went over to a section by myself cause I was all up in my mind I started the clock and I just faced it, you know, and I, I had a terrible time, uh, meaning time for the workout, but I felt I won the day. <laughs> you, 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 know? you didn't have a, you had a terrible time by enjoyment too. Sure. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, there were other people in the building that I'm sure could just, I couldn't get the music to work, which is another problem. A friend without music, even worse experience because you can hear yourself breathing. Um, but as a six, I had an accounterphobic six. I had to drive to the gym and I had to exercise some sort of control. Uh, but that gets me in trouble with the programming because I'm not in control of the programming. Why? Because I don't know best about how to program my own fitness. I can admit that. So a lot of days, especially if I come up against a challenge inside of uh, Coyote, uh, I, I struggle not being able to control it. And the way that Chris and Hunter have both been able to help me through that is if they see a lot of that on me, then they'll actually tell me to go do something else. You know, okay, well, don't worry about this workout right now. And then Chris is particularly um, uh, sadist, and then he'll program something that he knows is actually worse than what I was going to do that day and forces me to do that. But the interesting part is I enjoy myself more. 
you know, i.e. the uh, burpee over rower workout that he programmed. <laughs> so I would choose Fran over, over a rower. Burpee over rower. Oh yeah, God. it was it was murder. So yeah, sixes are really complex. Oh, you don't want to do this workout, huh? Oh, I got something for you. <laughs> <laughs> They're really complex and shocker of all shockers, they use a lot of words. Uh, they don't. A six doesn't talk to anybody more than they talk to themselves. Mm. Just always an internal dialogue. So the interesting thing about sixes is that nothing drives a three crazier than a six because threes are always like, "We're gonna do this. We're gonna do this. We're gonna get this done." And and sixes are like, "Well, what if this happens? What if this happens?" <laughs> like, Man, shut up! Don't tell me all the bad things are gonna happen. And and so learning about this is has uh, has helped me out a lot because my sister in law is a six and she she always will point out, "Well, what if this happens?" And I'm like. Why are you bringing up, why are you being so pessimistic? But it's good. One thing I've learned is that it's good to listen to sixes because they, they bring up good points. And a lot of times they bring up something that you don't think about or I don't think about because I'm thinking about all the positives that could happen. Well, what if this is happening? And it's, and it's good to think about the, 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 the downside of what could happen as well. Yeah, six is going to slow everything down. Mm-hmm. Really, really slow things down. <laughs> so you got to monitor on that. What's the Ben Stiller movie? I can't believe I've forgotten this. Zoolander. No, not that one. The one where he works for the insurance. No, 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 that is the correct answer. Zoolander. Zoolander. He works for the insurance. We did. uh, Oh, uh, along came Polly. Is that along came Polly? Mary. Yeah, yeah. Along, along came Polly, where he's, yeah, he's like, with Jennifer Aniston. You, you can't, yeah. you can't eat nuts out of the bowl at yeah, the bar. Yeah. Don't you know that? You know, yeah, yeah. that's that's how a six lives, man. They're just always assessing the risk. So uh, it's difficult for a six to take risk, and I think we can all agree that uh, pursuing fitness is going to require you to risk. It's either you're going to risk achievement, you're going you're going to risk having your feelings hurt on a particular day. So uh, yeah, it's been a it's been an interesting journey. It's why I'm so actually passionate about the Enneagram in particular because it helps you focus on how you relate to the world around you, not just how you were built, how you relate to the world around you. That's good. All right. It's time for another risk. Car transitioned into our favorite segment of the entire world. Outside the box. Bring it back old school. Yeah, we're going to applaud that. I don't don't know what I did last last episode. but Our topic this week is the what most... you did is you fired yourself. Is <laughs> By the way, this is your last episode. He didn't even give you like the talk. He's just like, no, nope, yeah, just you're not. that's a three right there. I'm gonna I'm gonna cut to the chase here. You're done. So our topic this week is easily the most hunter-induced topic we have had. <laughs> period. I read the email of what we're going over. I was like, well, yep. that makes loss. That's just yep. a long time coming. It's not even a shocker at this point. This was bound to happen. I think another interesting layer of this, let's let's have an outside-the-box with an outside-the-box wing Whoa. here. Uh, yeah, I think after we hear the book that you would write, we, we are able to suggest books that we wish you would write. Oh, <laughs> because yeah, I like that. I've got a few. I like that. I've okay. got a few. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, all right, let's let's have Hunter go first and just take. We'll say what you the know, topic t- is. Exactly. Take the show. Yeah, yeah. So the topic is: if you could write a book about anything, what would it be about? You could write a book, not a hundred books, just one. Yeah, just one book. You said Hunter first. Yeah. Oh, I'm you, want, you want me to go first? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, um, shocker, I'm going to give you two answers on this. but Because uh, <laughs> I can achieve, baby. I'm not writing one, I'm writing two. So number one is I would like to write a book that encompasses um, all the different aspects of um, fitness, health, self-help, growth, all that type of stuff that I've learned and I've written about over the years and maybe taking some of my blog posts and putting them together and, and uh, creating a book 
it, I think that it, there's just, I could maybe give a unique perspective on applying a lot of things that I've learned in my journey into helping other people. And that's something that I'm very passionate about is trying to help as many people as I can and disseminating my information that I've learned in a, in a way that, that people can use and apply to their life. And so taking things that I've learned from going back to your childhood and learning your childhood wounds and how that can impact yourself. And, and, and then, you know, the health and fitness type things that, and diet type things that I've learned. And then the mindset and the goal setting, all that stuff, just kind of combining it into a, a, a cool book that people can relate to. That's easy to get through. I don't want to write something that's really hard to read, you know, something that's easy to relate to maybe even like a, a, a parable type format, something like that. I've thought about that a lot or just turning my blog post into a book or something down the road. Mm-hmm. I could definitely see myself doing that. Um, but the other one, I've, I've had an idea for a novel since I was probably 12 or 13 years old. And I would just find myself daydreaming and thinking about how to write this book and how to tell this story that I want to tell. And it's kind of just evolved over time and I've always had in the back of my mind that I'm going to eventually write it. Um, and I've never, I hadn't told anybody about it. I told my girlfriend about it not too long ago and I was having trouble, um, explaining to her, um, the plot and how I had it laid out and I have it laid out in my head so perfectly. I've thought about it so much. I mean, literally 20 years I've been thinking about it off and on and I'll just find myself thinking about it over time. But it's basically a story of, um, a friendship between two guys um, as they're told in the perspective of three different days in their lives. One is childhood, one in, in their college years, and then one is adults. And the story of um, loyalty, and then uh, I'm not going to go into all these details, but basically the loyalty into betrayal and then kind of redemption and sacrifice at the end of the story. And so I kind of have this this idea of, you know, the the, the idea of, Sacrifice of somebody giving themselves up for somebody that they care about has always intrigued me greatly, and you know it goes back to to Jesus and all that, but also other other stories. And I don't know if you've ever read a tale of two cities or or that's one of my favorite books. And that idea of somebody sacrificing themselves for someone else is just the ultimate show show showing of love, in my opinion, and it's kind of finding a way to explore that, um, especially in somebody sacrificing themselves for somebody who has betrayed them um, is kind of a theme that I want to explore. That's deep, man. So the, I'm, I'm understanding it right that the book details 72 hours, but it yeah, encompasses so it's, a lifetime. It's, it's a story a, a story of a relationship told through the lens of three days, like three days in their lives, like the three biggest days in their lives. So basically the first day would be his childhood cool, yeah. when they become friends and become devoted to each other and then the second day would be in college when they um are still continue best friends and then there's a betrayal and then there it ends their relationship and then the third day would be um as adults the sacrificial event sacrificial uh and redemption for that um if this shows up on amazon next week we're totally it's not it's not going to be next week but (laughs) we're gonna get that it'll be one day and it's 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 crazy because i'm reading this book by stephen king called on writing and he's just like you have to start writing and i've just been playing with this story in my head for so long and i'm I'm getting to the point like i just need to start sit down and doing it buy a pencil there you go 
I'm not. I'm going to type it. I'm not going to write. <laughs> my hands start to. I, I, I put a lot of pressure when I write, and so my hand hurts really. Well, if really you're going to write, you're going to write the best, right? Yeah. It's, well, it's, I'm gonna it makes it. sense. As tiny as you write, yeah. <laughs> I, I squeeze the pen and I, I, I write really hard, and my hand starts cramping. It's not up sustainable. It's like you're trying to chisel more than you're trying to write. I have a title yeah. for your first book. What's that? Everything you need to know. That's the big title. Yeah. Subtitle, but don't have time to figure out. I like that. That's that good. way you're figuring out for me. Like, yeah. Got a yeah. chapter on childhood trauma. Boom. 10 pages. Love it. Moving on. Yeah. Yeah. Type three, writing a book. Cool. So oh, two man. answers. Typical hunter. Yeah. All right. Let's go to Chris, the book you would write. <laughs> well, when, uh, when I saw, uh, when I saw what the topic was to be, uh, to be honest, I'd co- I'd coach four straight uh, four straight hours with classes <laughs> of fifteen people or more, and then I and then I got up at uh, at four o'clock to come coach uh, this morning. So my I, I my creative uh, engine is running on fumes. So I <laughs> um, I I kind of I leaned on what I what I can always do regardless of my energy level. And that's sarcasm and mm, <laughs> humor. So I said so I said. Uh, Imitation, the sincerest form of flattery, the subtle art of incorporating movie quotes into daily conversations. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's what I was going to suggest. That was my suggestion for your book. Hey, I would read that book. Yeah, <laughs> all day long. That that's would... a bathroom read, read in the half. For sure. Oh yeah, man, oh, that that, that is one that goes right on the back of your toilet for yep. sure. The subtle yeah. art of incorporating movie quotes into day to day conversations. Oh, that's awesome. Could you um, please, if you actually do this, just have? Somebody who was in the movie Down Periscope write <laughs> something the in the intro. The forward, the preface, yeah, yeah. Get, get Kelsey Grammer. Is he even still alive? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think he, he has less hair now, but he's still alive. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that would be if you're awesome. An expert in anything in this world. It's, that it, that it, is a uh, fact. That is a fact. But um, I, I, something though that I guess I got to got to thinking about listening to listening to Hunter. Like I'd be really interested in maybe doing something like I, I, I'm a big quote guy. Shocker. Love, uh, love quotes. And, um, like a collection of my favorite and then just my, um, my commentary on them, I guess. Cause like, I mean the, uh, the verse that, uh, that you, that you had given me a couple of years ago about the, uh, um, endurance. And, and, yeah. And, and yeah, uh, suffering endurance and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. Like I, like I've had just, you know, hour long, just conversations with myself on what that actually means and breaking down each individual word and how, um, and, uh, chasing each word down these different rabbit trails. So I think, I mean, if I were to write a book, which I don't, I don't plan on, but <laughs> let's be, let's be clear. Yeah. That'd be some, dictate a book. That'd be, you can speak a book. And yeah, I got to speak. A, yeah. That, that's what I need is just have, uh, have an editor or something. I was like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna throw, throw words out there and you, you put them in order. <laughs> I know the picture that I have in my mind right Bebo now. Body. Someone's like learning how to wait tables and you have your waiter and then the person that's with them. I could just see somebody following Chris around all day at Coyote. Uh, just pardon this guy. He's going to be writing stuff down that I say, you know, all day. <laughs> So at the end we're gonna have a book. It's gonna be awesome. What movie is that when the guys like, the guys like write that down? <laughs> He's got somebody who just writes stuff. Oh, down. I can tell you that's um, uh, Van Wilder. There you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah, Van Wilder. Of course, you could tell us. Yeah, that's that's incredible. That's exactly the book that I was gonna recommend that you write. Mm-hmm. Something around movie quotes. That quote uh, quote idea is something that I'm actually gonna do for my blog, which I talked about last episode. I've already written an article about a quote, and I have like. I've written probably hundreds of quotes in my in my uh, in my phone 
just reading through reading books and seeing a quote that I like. And uh, I've had that same idea of just doing blog posts about a certain quote and then writing how it means to me, so what it means to me. So I think I really like that idea a lot. There you go, man. Looks like you have to write it now, Chris. Maybe. All right, Chase, the book you would write. All right, so I'm going to really hunter this. Um, it's actually... You're now a verb. I love it. That's a verb now. <laughs> but it's a, uh, it's a series of books, three or four, and they all release... like I, So I write all four of them, or three of them at one time, all under different pseudonyms, oh. and then they release four days in a row, but anonymous, anonymously, and there's no correlation, at least uh, initially... But the way, so it's a four part series of a, like a consecutive timeline book series or sequential. And so if you read the first one, right? And then within that book, somewhere you have to decipher that the next book in this series is the book. Like the title of the next book is in the book, but you have to figure it out. So I don't, mm. I don't come out and say, this is the second book of the series. You have to figure it out yourself. And it's like a mystery Jeez. epic. I'm blown away, man. Wow. This is a spectacular cool. idea. Yeah. yeah this this is, cool is the idea. first time in an episode of the Coyote Fitness Podcast I felt like I needed a glass of bourbon. <laughs> just to understand this idea. Like, this is heady. So, let me make sure I understand this. You are releasing simultaneously four books that are sequential, but the world doesn't know. But at some point, somebody's going to go, wait Hold a minute. Hold on a second. These, these stories connect, and the name of that book was in chapter 4 of the first book, and the name of the third book was in chapter 13 of the second book, and they all tie together. Mm-hmm. It's a mm-hmm. mystery wrapped in an enigma. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's cool. You're going to do this, Steve. right? I don't. I'm not a good enough writer to pull that off. <laughs> Plus, the 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 downside Says is like, what if, what if someone buys the third book in this series unknowingly, and they're like, "This book sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't make any sense." They never get to the other ones. What yeah. a crappy book. <laughs> I don't know, man. Even just that effort. Of course, now you've kind of let the cat out of the bag. I have. But well, this, maybe somebody listening can take that idea and write and it and implement it. Mm. give you some royalties that'd be pretty amazing man it's or maybe it's copyrighted the, yeah, maybe in some way this entire podcast all of its episodes start to finish are really the decoder ring for the final scene in book four <laughs> maybe. I just it just makes me think of a Christmas story <laughs> that's, <laughs> the that's, why, ring. that's why I said it drink more Ovaltine <laughs> a crappy commercial <laughs> <laughs> I need a map after that. Go do a Metcon. A crappy commercial? (laughs) That's funny. That's funny. Man, I I have nothing to... I got nothing. I got... Mine mine sounds like a pamphlet connected to like... (laughs) Mine's like the thing that's like at the bank with all the other things sitting over in the plastic display compared to your idea. Has anybody ever picked up one of those actually, by the way? Exactly. That's the point I'm trying to make. The art's bad. The color's bad. The pictures are bad. Everything's bad. You know, the information, who cares? That's exactly the kind of book I'm going to write. I've actually started writing my book. Really? Really? The pivot one? Yes. Nice. Yeah, started writing my book. So I, I had an idea for a book a couple of years ago. I'll keep this short, but um, it, it's connected to a lot of other things in my life. But I actually went out there and bought a uh, 1970s typewriter 
and started typing the book out, which has wow. been a really fascinating and frustrating process because you don't realize until I'm about to say it how many times you hit backspace. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there is no backspace. But it forces you to stop and think through the idea. It's probably it's why I believe the book's never actually going to happen. Uh, so I don't even know if it's for the public. But I've got, I've got my uh, introduction and my first chapter written, and I've got the 10 chapters of the book lined out you know, actually written out what the plan is. I'm just putting words to it now. So it's it all centers around a really, really incredible story inside of uh, the Old Testament. I'm a guy that really believes in the Bible and its principles. And this one story just challenges religion like no other. And I think gets to the heart of what really my passion as an adult is the masculine journey because I've been so bad at it for so long. And I think this one story says everything that needs to be said about the masculine journey. So uh, I'm, I'm writing it now, but I don't know if it's ever going to actually see the light of day. So that automatically makes sure it's the most impressive because you've like put you've true, true yeah. ink to typewriter paper. Yeah. It, it was interesting when I read the email, I actually just started going back over my intro two days ago, sitting at my desk and I was trying to figure out, do I, do I want to waste any time hammering down on this typewriter for another you know another couple of hours to even pursue this idea and it it energized me about it I, I think it's something that people need to hear i just the way i'm going about it it won't release until you know i'm dead <laughs> somebody will find it in a, in a file cabinet you maybe. need to write that man that sounds really yeah. good it sounds like you got a story to tell yes yeah, so I'm, I'm i'm eager to do it but uh i don't know we'll see we'll see i feel very ashamed of my idea because there's not four of them re- releasing simultaneously with some secret code in there i think it's a great yours idea. might actually happen though. <laughs> all right so these are the books we're going to write i think the book that um i think the book that hunter should write the title of the book would be why you should borrow my shoes i think that should be the title of the He's book got some pretty sweet shoes okay. on right now. i say that because one day i did borrow hunter's shoes and he said, man, you're like the sixth person this week that's borrowed my shoes to work out. You guys can't remember to bring your shoes to the gym. He went on a bit. A and, big, you, and you went, the sixth? <laughs> Why? So many like, people borrowed. people have had their feet in these things. They're, they're suddenly like the bowling shoes of CrossFit. Yeah, because you look at Hunter, you're like, wow, this guy's a really clean living guy. I could borrow his shoes. And you're like, oh, Tim Bell might have stepped this week. Uh, I never wore them after that. <laughs> <laughs> foot went in there, I ain't wearing them again. Yeah, yeah. I just think it's a, it was a great way. It would be a very type three way to say to people, I've got something that you need to hear, and I'm confident enough in that that I'm going to put it in the title, Why You Should Borrow My Shoes. So encouraging us to live uh, a little bit Hunter-like I think would be good. You've, you burst my bubble because I was going to say something about movie quotes and how you could connect to I'm, actually I'm way living, ahead of you guys on that. Yeah, actually uh, living a better life. Um, I think the, the title for Chase's book should be Why Sarcasm is the Ish. I think that would be really, it would just skyrocket to the top because everybody loves to be sarcastic, but very few people are as good at you as being sarcastic. So what about why sarcasm isn't the ish? Why, why it isn't the ish? That'll be my rebuttal. Why that, it is, no, that would be the sarcastic title. Oh, uh, why it isn't the ish. Yeah. Oh, that's clever. Yeah. Oh. And you could have, uh, you know, we could pull in a little bit of Jim Halpert in the whole thing and, you know. I think Wait, the workout or ah, there we go. New programming. Looking back to other episodes, so those are the books I think you guys should write. I think it would be very interesting. Thank you. you know, it, and I think each line and each page in your book could just be one very, very carefully written dry humor line per page. 
<laughs> ben, I think you should write a book um, on how the Enneagram relates to fitness, your fitness journey. Mm, man, that'd probably be a gold mine. I you could better probably, get that thing out quick, though. I, I could, I could yeah. find some expansion of the of the dynasty here. You could. How how the Enneagram affects your fitness. There it is. Are we recommending things or right? I, I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna recommend our our future books. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we always have recommends. How can we have an episode without recommends? No, Somebody's got something to dig I into. Do. I can't break my streak. <laughs> so I have uh, says the type three. <laughs> <laughs> I have uh, two Netflix shows that I watched over the holidays that I liked. Uh, one was The Haunting of Hill House. Have you guys seen that? Mm. Uh, I don't typically like scary movies, but I really liked this one. It was very intriguing. Um, kept me interested and wanting to watch the next episode. And I really like well-made, well-shot uh, movies and TV shows. I'm really big into like cinematography and um, acting and all that type of stuff. Um, and the, in the sixth episode, they ha- they have a couple of uh, uncut scenes that are like 10 to 15 minutes long so the whole like 10 minutes straight without a cut which i don't think a lot of people would would notice that but that's something that i noticed and i'm really big sucker for scenes like that because it's like look how much went into this scene like they they couldn't mess up at all for like 15 minutes straight and the camera had to be right and the actors had to be right and all that type of stuff yeah er was famous for that they're kind of the the ones that had that what do they call it chase it's like a running scene or something something like that yeah um the uh the Birdman, you remember that movie Birdman that won Oscar? They they had a bunch of those uh, those those uncut scenes in there. But the episode six, if you watch the 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 show and you're into that stuff at all, pay attention to that because it was really really cool. And then the other one was called uh, Murder Mountain. Have you guys seen that? So this sounds it, another like another scary thing. It's a new uh, true crime uh, show, and it's about this mountain in. Uh, in California, Humboldt County. Have you guys heard of Humboldt County? It's like the weed capital of the world mm-hmm. where they grow weed. And um, uh, it's it's this mountain in Humboldt County where like people turn up missing all the time. And it's just basically like outlaws are living on this mountain and the cops are scared to go up there and because um, the, the outlaws are dr- growing weed. And uh, like just people go there to work because they make a lot of money. And But there's not really any rules. So somebody might... The, somebody might owe somebody money and they don't want to pay them so they just kill them and then the cops don't do anything and there's all these uh, missing posters all over town of all these people who are missing and it's just a story of, of that county in particular and this small mountain of the kind of the why it is like the marijuana capital of the world and then it's, it's growth up to now and also the story of the why all these people have gone missing and the story behind that and it follows one particular kid who who get who got murdered up there and the story between him and then all these other people who got killed as a result of it and then also through the legalization of marijuana um in 2018 and how that's impacted the uh the that area as a whole as they're going from illegal to legal and the steps in that process and 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 how how it's affecting all their businesses and everything so it was really interesting it started off really good it kind of it kind of slowed down towards the last couple episodes weren't as good but the first couple episodes were really good but it was just interesting uh true crime documentary man as a six i just cannot participate in true crime really (laughs) yes i i just can't do it because i'm like oh my gosh that happens and then my second thought is that's gonna happen to me like i as you were telling that story i'm like that's the mountain where i'm gonna die 
That's how it's going to go down. I'm going to like develop a life addicted to marijuana, and that's where it's going to happen, right there. It's so. not addictive, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's not habit forming. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. What's that movie? Uh, uh, Scary movie. No, 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 no. It's a uh, John C. Riley. He plays uh, the, the uh, rock star. Walk hard. Yeah, walk hard. Doing cock story. <laughs> That's like trying to get him. Man, that is like, such an under <laughs> an underrated slapstick really comedy. Freaking Pam is in that movie. She, she is. is. She is. He's yeah. trying to get him to smoke. He's like, "Well, I don't want to get it. You don't want none of this. <laughs> it's not habit forming. I don't want to do be hung over tomorrow. It he doesn't, doesn't leave to give you a hangover. Sounds like Hunter's got another recommendation. Yeah, doing cocks. Watch that movie. That's funny. That's a good, good, good movie. All right, I've got one that's a little bit uh, kind of like the, the get better part since it's the start of the year. I've just started listening to GTD, uh, the Get Things Done podcast. And uh, the information, it's not like it's incredibly entertaining. That's one of the best parts about StoryBrand with Donald Miller. It's, it's really entertaining to listen to. GTD is not entertaining, but I'm telling you, every couple of minutes, these guys say something about efficiency productivity accomplishing your goals you're like oh man that is very applicable if you're if you're one of those people that's like you really want to accomplish good things for the year but you're not quite sure how to do that gtd is like a a system that's gone worldwide about how how to accomplish the things you're really looking to get done and uh, listening to a podcast is a very passive way to take in information so uh, i highly highly suggest gtd is it the virtual study group GTD virtual study group? Uh-uh, no, it's um let's see, let me let me I've got it right here in front of me, the information. It's uh it's David Allen. If you sh- if you search getting things done, um it has a logo logo with the GTD and David Allen is usually a big part of it. He's the guy that that created it. So, not the David Allen show. Uh-uh. No, it's just the GTD. David Allen Co. <laughs> David Allen Co, David <laughs> Allen show, very different things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I can't find this, Ben. Well, I'm sorry. I'm frustrating your achievement mentality, but it's in there. <laughs> so, all right. So those are our recommends. I think oh, we okay, can stop okay. there, right? You found it, the GTD oh, with the red getting line? Getting things done. Yeah. yeah, getting things done. I graduated high school with a guy named David Allen. wonder if it's him. Uh, I doubt it. I think this guy's a little bit older. So I think we'll wrap the episode here, guys. we got to take a break and uh, come back for our next exciting episode, which I think I've actually got a plan for. So this ought to be pretty pretty cool. A little, oh, wow. little complex mm. plan. Too bad you don't make the plans. Oh, <laughs> man. Yeah, well, let's just leave it there. I was going to go through the whole like, rate, share thing, but I'm just not in the mood. So that does it for today. Until next time, we'll see you then. Silky smooth sounds.